0: Welcome to Stratford Lutherans Sermon Podcast. I am Pastor Alex and this is a podcast that each week will deliver a new sermon message. These are taken directly from our ongoing sermon series and you can find them in on YouTube if you would like to watch them, but these are here for your listening pleasure. And I am so thankful that you have taken this opportunity to hear this particular sermon. And as always, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me. I am on Instagram at quorum.dale.life. You can reach me at Undying Light Ministries as I host that podcast, Undying Light. And I'm a co-host of a Matter of Truth podcast. This is just a means to allow my sermons to uh, be listened to at your convenience as a listener. And again, I just want to say I am very appreciative of you taking this opportunity to listen. Now, here's this week's sermon.
1: First lesson for today is taken from Revelation, the seventh chapter, beginning with the second verse. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. The responsive reading is taken from Psalm 149. Please respond as indicated in your bulletin. Hear this, all peoples, give ear, all inhabitants of the world. My mouth shall speak wisdom, the meditation of my heart shall be understanding. Why should I fear in times of trouble, when the iniquity of those who cheat me surrounds me? Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. That he should live on forever and never see the pit. The second lesson is taken from 1 John, the third chapter, beginning with the first verse. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are.
0: Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew in the fifth chapter. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for they for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you the gospel of our lord maybe seated you ever started out doing a task? It could be really just about anything, but you start doing this particular task or this project or something at work or even around the house, and you you realize you get halfway or three-quarters of the way through and you've not done it right at all. It's been completely wrong. And you have to rewind everything that you've done and start over again. Actually, just thinking about... Some of the work that, that Janae does during the holiday seasons she's made blankets in the past and she'll crochet and so she'll spend a countless amount of hours crocheting and, and I can recall times that she'll go so many rows and then have to retract because of a one little missed thread. And I thought about stuff like that, just common day everyday things that we do in life that we get so far into the midst of that we then realize we've done it wrong and we have to retract and start over again. And the same can be done for me. Being a preacher, I could write some very, very terrible sermons, and only having to now come back and revisit some of those texts and reapply them. I took a class this past summer on Christian ethics, and if you're really looking for some good dry reading, i got a great book for you. But in this book, they took the Beatitudes. That was one of their biggest focuses. And they and they made this these 11, these 12 verses here into a means that you ought to live your life. Now, I will admit this class wasn't directly connected to the Lutheran seminary. And so I have to take it and then I have to go to my professor and argue with him why I didn't agree with that class. So I had to hear all of these things and then I had to go in and articulate it from the Lutheran perspective because the Beatitudes are not a section of law. It's not a commandment. It's not something that we would sit and rest on and say, I must be like that. So it was an interesting challenge to read through this particular book for class and then have to sit down and talk with my professor over why I didn't agree with it which, thankfully, he was on my side. But it still doesn't take away the, the kind of just pain that sits in my mind about how people can come across this passage, or preachers can come across these passages, and they drive home this concept of, you have to be like this in order to be a Christian. Or you do these things, then you can know that you're a Christian. If you have all of this wonderful fruit, if you behave in this manner, if you act in this fashion, then by golly, you are a Christian. But if you don't, if you don't do all those things, then how can we know? As we come to this particular Sunday, a day where we recognize all of those who have gone before us, we in the church call this All Saints Sunday. In fact, it actually occurred on Monday. It's always the first day of November. But this first Sunday is when we come through and acknowledge it within the church calendar. And in this day, we take a text that is an example of the saints who have gone before us. This text is a, a targeting or a looking at the behavior, the characteristics of what Christianity is like. And so I couldn't find really any more of an appropriate text than this particular one. And really, as I admitted earlier, on the surface, it may be a very daunting task to read through the Beatitudes because it really, on the surface, looks like a lot of law. It looks like you have to behave in this fashion. If you're a Christian, then these things ought to be present in your life. You should be displaying these characteristics. And if you don't... Are you really a Christian? Do you truly believe? I can find these texts and they're uh, ongoing through the rest of Matthew 5 and 6 to be a bit intimidating. Because it really calls to light whether the reality of of each of us individually, are we living to what Christ is saying in this text? In fact, the first time I preached this particular text a couple of years back, I gave that same subscription. I broke down these blessings and turned them into a law. I gave a descriptive narrative on how you should be striving in your everyday life to behave in this fashion. That if you do behave in these things, then you will receive these rewards. I broke down each blessing. I talked about how it was able for us to live in that fashion and how we should all be striving after this. And now coming back to it a few years later, I realized what I had done wrong in the past. And so now I retract a lot of the things that I have preached on, thankfully, before coming here and realize that the Gospel is so much more pure. It is much more clear and crystal than what I've made it to be in the past. And it's simple. Drew and I have these conversations every Sunday night at Bible study. If, If people could just believe, that's the most basic essence to Christianity. Believe. From belief, everything then stems out. Our good behaviors, our good works, the, the attitudes then become a reality in our lives. So if we take these groups of blessings and we look at them from a different angle, we won't look them at them as a list of shall nots and shalls and how you should be a better behaving Christian. But we should be looking at these to be more of a reality. We should be looking at these as more of a glimpse into what is to come for us. We can't do these and then receive a particular blessing. If we were to essentially assert ourselves into that text, we would be focusing on our good works and our good behaviors. Therefore, we would negate the freedom... And the free offering of faith by Christ to save us. We would be focused on ourselves to be able to climb that ladder to heaven. So these statements through the Beatitudes, they express an indicative mood. They're not imperative. It is a description, not a prescription. Jesus isn't insisting that each and every one of you ought to starve in order to see justice done. So instead of looking at these in the literal sense or as a list of commands, let's look at them as a description of the reality. But more importantly, let's look at them as a means to see what is to come. And by what I mean of what is to come, the new heavens and the new earth. The reality of what life will be like in that time. And before we unpack all of these, I think it's good for us to pay attention to and make note of these and how they contrast the rest of the world. Jesus is stating these things of what life and the attitudes and the blessings and all of that that will be like in the new heavens and the new earth. He's given us a description of what it is to come. Jesus is beginning to assert these facts that these people will be blessed. But And notice, each of them have a particular reward attached to them. Through all 11 verses, there's a reward if you become like that person. And interestingly enough, if we kind of look at all of it, they do, they do not pertain to anything in this world. Theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Theirs will be comforted. They shall inherit the earth. Jesus isn't talking about this earth because this earth will pass away. This earth will be destroyed, wiped clean. And the new heavens and the new earth will be established. So when we read that, it is not a inheriting. The meek won't inherit this earth, but they will inherit the new earth. All of these rewards are essentially designated to be fulfilled with this world passing away with the establishment of Jesus' new kingdom. Yet these people that Jesus is highlighting here, the poor in spirit, the meek, those who mourn, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted, these individuals stand in contrast to the world. Because if you think about it, in today's society, you are blessed if you are smart or well-educated. You are blessed if you are good-looking and hard-working. If you can manipulate the system, you will go places and you will be blessed. See, the world determines the concept of blessedness based upon how much money you have in your bank account, how big your house is, how nice your car is, how expensive your clothing is. If you eat at all the fine, fancy restaurants... That is what the world deems to make you blessed. Maybe this thought has crossed your mind from time to time. Maybe it hasn't. But have you ever sat down and watched the news or watched a a report on the show or read a book about some rich person catching yet another break? Thinking, boy, aren't they blessed. They've got the intelligence, the hard work, the, the attitude, they just... They just get it. Everything's just handed to them. It is not uncommon for us to see that those who may be better off than us would be blessed. But yet, those blessings that we try to measure out are temporal. They exist only in this world, and in time, those blessings will rot and decay away. So in comparison to all of those who appear to be blessed, if anyone falls into the list that Jesus mentions here, they are viewed as less fortunate. So in the world, in the eyes of the world, if you happen to be somebody in this list, you are not as fortunate as the rest of the world. You don't have it as good as others do. But the wonderful thing is, for this text, if we just rewind a few minutes of the sermon, we'll see how these statements are the reality of the new heavens and the new earth. They are stating a fact of what it is to come. You are blessed, and these blessings will come in time. So let's take a look at these particular blessings. And noticeably, these, this list isn't one that we ought to strive to work towards. It's not one that we will attain and then just kind of add it to our belt notch and then go on to the next one and to the next one. We don't need to stress over whether or not you're a peacemaker or whether you hunger and thirst for righteousness because throughout your life and in various situations and in various times, you might find yourself in one of these camps or in many of them. It may be for a short period of time. It could be for a couple of days. It could be for a few years. And to think about those who have gone before us, those saints who are now spending their temporal bliss with Christ, those who have gone before If we sit and and, and look at their life, could we see them fitting into any of these categories? And if we can, then we as current saints can rest assured knowing that they will be rewarded. Their reward will come. But I should also mention this too. If you don't find yourself in any of these categories or those that are of your loved ones, not in any of these categories, don't fret and don't be disappointed. Don't be upset. Don't be concerned that you have to now go out and do these things because you still will be blessed. You will still receive a reward. I'll talk about that in just a moment. So as we look at these statements, the poor in spirit and those who mourn, are very close connected, the spiritually poor can acknowledge their moral bankruptcy. They see that they are a sinner and that their only salvation rests in Christ. Those who mourn don't mourn over the things of this world, but they mourn over their sin. Both will be comforted and receive the kingdom of heaven. The meek, those who are lowly and humble, they will inherit the new heavens and the new earth on the last day, the day of the resurrection, the great and terrible day of the Lord. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, this fervent desire for God's righteousness or salvation. Luther says this on those individuals. We have a clear assurance that God does not cast aside sinners. That is those who recognize their sin and desire to come to their senses, who thirst for righteousness. The merciful, one who recognizes God's mercy upon their lives. The pure in heart, those who do not acknowledge the false gods of this world, but acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The peacemakers, those who trust that Jesus will bring peace those who understand that peace may not be until the return of Christ, but still find peace in Christ. Those who are persecuted and those who have been reviled against and persecuted for the name of Jesus. Jesus says, rejoice! You are in good company. In fact, as we will begin our Advent series here in a few short weeks, we will begin with the end. We will look at a text from the end of times. And as we do every year, we will see how the persecution and the hatred towards Christianity just grows over time. So Jesus says, if you are persecuted in my name's sake, rejoice! Because as I had mentioned earlier, each of these come with a reward. And those who are persecuted aren't the only ones to receive this reward. So what is it? Is it a bag of jewels and gold when we get to heaven? Is it a fancy new car in this life? These rewards that Jesus talks about carry through His entire ministry. And they are promised through the apostles as they wrote their epistles. And then they're preached and talked about in the early church all the way through till Luther comes on the scene, and then forward even further to today. These rewards are this, eternal life, salvation, and the promised resurrection body, and the new heavens and the new earth. Those are the rewards. If we take all those simple things and, and put those into light of the Beatitudes, that's the, that's the result of them. Eternal life, the kingdom of heaven, The earth, the new heavens, and the new earth, they will inherit. They will be comforted. There will be no more sin. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness. You will have comfort. So, Jesus uses these statements to draw the reality to our eyes that while in this world, we may experience some persecution. We may experience hatred. We may find ourselves meek and mourning over our sin. But these people, you who experience these things, this is exactly who Jesus came to save. The entire purpose of His ministry was one of this. He did not come to save the righteous, but He came to save the sinner. Those who are healthy do not need to go seek a doctor, but those who are sick are in need of one. Jesus came for the sinners, of whom I am the chief. As Paul would note, Jesus came to bring life, to free us from this bondage in this world to sin and death. So you can rest assured knowing that those who have gone on before us, they are resting with Christ now. Awaiting the fulfillment of all of these promises here. And this is my mission each and every Sunday, to go forward and unpack these texts and lay it out in a proper manner for you to hear and understand. To deliver the Gospel each week. Because we lowly sinners need to be reminded of these promises. These very simple things that Christ gives us. Freely. Not because you were able to meet some sort of requirement or behave in a certain fashion, but freely for all of those who believe. And so as we examine the Beatitudes, these are wonderful statements of the reality of what is to come. Those who have experienced the hardships in life will be rewarded. But so will all of those who don't experience those things. All of those individuals will be rewarded. And that reward is eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body. That is the promise that Christ gives week in and week out. Every time He forgives sin, He frees them from their bondage. Every time. There is no magic formula. There is no magic phrase. It is belief that saves one and on this Saint Sunday it is good for us to note how that just sits and resonates in our lives because instead of this daunting list of things and behaviors that we should do these are the reality of what it is to come that this is who Christ has called the sinner you He's called you to his own And he has freed you from the bondages of sin and death and the devil. Amen.